Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Range of Capital podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast and our clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Range of Capital. And with me, as always, is my co-host and the founder of Range of Capital, Chris Demuth. It is Wednesday, March 2nd, and today we're going to be talking about Sun Edison. Its ticker is S-U-N-E. It's Yield Co. Terraform whose ticker is TERP, and the, plos- the possible blow-up of their deal to buy Vivint Solar, ticker VSLR. And Chris, I'm going to set a bit of the background, if that's okay. Uh, we were all set to have a podcast and split some time kind of focusing on Bill Ackman's portfolio and a little bit of the drama on Valiant, and then talking about Sun Edison and Terp. And then right about 3 o'clock today, news broke that all the banks who were going to finance Sun Edison's deal to buy Vivint, that's uh, Goldman, Barclays, City, and UBS, they were all balking at providing loans for Sun Edison. Uh, and the news sent Vivint shares down 25%, Sun Edison shares up 20%, and Terp shares up 10%. So this is one of the most complex transactions, deals, situations I think we've ever seen. Uh, we can go in a ton of different places. Where do you want to go with this? You know, usually we have a topic, and my question is, what interests me about yeah. this? And this is one, literally, my question is, what doesn't interest it, me about this? It has everything. The news broke at 3 o'clock, and we're taping this at around 6 o'clock, and we've literally been talking about nothing but this for three hours. So uh, anyone who tells you they know what's going to happen for with 100% certainty right now is a liar, but so much up in the air, going crazy. I would like to start with the underlying Sun Edison deal. Okay. I think that that's the unit that we can then build off on. Uh, okay. Sun Edison uh, made an offer that was accepted. They had a definitive merger agreement yep. to buy Vivint, uh, VSLR. Um, that deal uh, was recut, and they had what was a tight merger agreement and ended up being an ultra-tight, ironclad, hell or high water agreement. Can, let, me, let me just jump. So they announced the deal to buy them in July. Yes. And Sun Edison is buying Vivint. And as a side deal, they were going to sell some assets to Tart, but that was separate. It was a very tight deal. Sun Edison hit some distress, which we're certainly going to talk about. And then December, when you say they recut the deal, they renegotiated the deal to change the terms, mainly so Sun Edison didn't have to put up as much cash. But when you change some terms on a deal, we mentioned this in our merger arc, you lower the cash component, the other party is going to ask for something on the other side. And what they did in this case was they turned a tight agreement into this super tight, no outs, no back doors, no way to break the deal contract. If, if you're an adult and you're in the marketplace, you should never give anybody anything without getting something in return. It's kind mm-hmm. of like bad manners. You know, even if you're <laughs> on a relatively friendly footing, uh, things should have some symmetry. And if somebody says, hey, you know, I was going to give you something. Now I'm going to give you less. Uh, you need to say, hey, OK, well, we're going to make it very sure we don't have this conversation even one more time. Exactly. And exactly. they did that here. Their lawyers did a fine job. And it is a tight agreement. And, and let me give a little bit on uh, who Sun Edison, Terp, uh, Vivint are. So Sun yes. Edison is a giant – they make giant utility-scale solar fields. Mm-hmm. Terp, what their Sun Edison's Yulco, and what it is is making a giant uh, utility solar-scale field is very expensive. And Terp owns those fields, runs them for cash. They can pay their investors big dividends, and they can buy the fields from Sun Edison as uh, the fields come up to play. So they can kind of recycle 
Vivint does home solar. They'll put home solar panels on their roof. And Sun Edison wanted to buy them to diversify into the home solar business. Uh, and this deal, when it was announced, it was the $2.2 billion deal before it was announced, uh, the market hated it for Sun Edison and uh, Terp. It sent Terp shares down 75% since the deal was announced. And Sun Edison shares are down at this point 95%. Uh, since the deal was announced. So people are thinking Sun Edison takes a lot of cash, needs to complete this deal, might go bankrupt. And uh, today the banks say we're not going to finance the deal. Why Why might they not finance the deal and why is this a big deal for Sun Edison? Well, if you are the banks, you need to really take care of your relationship. We're talking about Goldman, Barclays, Citigroup, UBS, yep. and they are contractually on the hook. While their debt contract is not public, there's reasonable people would have reason to believe that the language is actually quite symmetrical to the equity deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I've seen both sets of language, it's usually cut and paste from one to the yep. other. Um, and in this case, uh, it appears to me that they have an out because Sun Edison failed uh, to provide up-to-date financials. Yep. They're not able to do that right now, and those have to go to the banks. Yep. So if I were the banks, I would live up to all of my commitments, but I would not. I, I would demand of myself 100% honesty, but no generosity on top of that. Yep. So when uh, Sun Edison announced the deal, part <clears throat> of it is we have committed financing. Yep. The banks say, come hell or high water, we will provide you financing. Well, Sun Edison Sun Edison's bordering on bankruptcy, so the banks certainly have to be looking at it and say, "Oh God, I wish we didn't have to provide it." And they do get an out because Sun Edison says, "Hey, we're bordering on bankruptcy, and there are a lot of other issues, but because of this, we can't file current financial statements." And in that contract, the banks say, "You have to provide us current financial statements, or else we don't have to provide you the financing." They don't want to do this financing anymore, and now they have a legal out to not do it. You know, if bad things didn't happen, you wouldn't need contracts. Uh, when you're dealing with things ahead of time, it always seems funny to go into this incredible minutia for things that haven't happened yet, and any one of the provisions probably won't be needed mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the representations and conditions and so forth. But it really matters, and if you're going to head into litigation, this is quite likely to head into litigation. They're going to see the inside of a courtroom one way or another at this point. Uh, it's nice to have have as much of this papered over as possible when you weren't mad and when you weren't in trouble yep. or when you were in less trouble. So let's go to where we stand today. And I think there are two things we should say. I, again, anyone who says they know with 100% certainty how this is going to play out is wrong. You've had three hours to digest the, one of the most complicated deals in history. And two, we should say up front, as of today, we are long a little vivant, and we are also long some terp. So we, we should go ahead and disclose that as well. Uh, more than some, uh, and uh, come in and have for a bit of time. And our vivant is a brand new, uh, fresh smell of paint. Uh, but uh, I think that's going to work out, too. This is definitely one of those situations where the dumbest people are the most sure. Yeah. And so hopefully we're on the, end, the other end of that spectrum. Okay, so let's say 3 o'clock today, news comes out that says, hey, uh, banks might not provide Sun Edison financing. Sun Edison shares, remember, everyone hated the deal on Sun Edison's mm -hmm. size. Sun Edison shares popped 20%. Terp, everyone hated the deal on the Terp side. Terp shares popped 10%, and Vivint shares fall 25%. So Vivint shares trading at about $5 per share. 
Why are we finding that attractive? Why did we uh, kind of open a position up in that today? Well, everything we do is probabilistic. This is, mm-hmm. as we said, this is not certainty. We don't know. We're not soothsayers. We're just counters. And we slash you, but we were looking at this and saying, oh, what is this worth as a standalone? Yeah. Uh, the downside here. And that is actually pretty analyzable and quantifiable. And your answer was? It, so, you know, I think it was really helpful that we're working together. I came and went fundamental and you immediately dove into the legal language. So we yep. were able to combine those two. And just a quick estimate, and again, we've only had a couple hours, so we haven't been able to do much more, but Vivint, it, everyone makes clear their perfect peer is SolarCity, yep. uh, Elon Musk's company. And SolarCity, since this deal was announced, has traded down about 60%. And if you took Vivint's shares and you just traded them down 60% since the deal was announced, they'd come out to $5 per share. And shares, as soon as the deal broke, it went, they went from six fifty to five dollars per share, or rumors of it breaking went from six fifty five dollars per share. So we kind of looked at it and said, "Hey, th- the shares are effectively trading with almost a zero percent chance of uh, the deal going through. You're buying the company for about its fundamental value based on kind of where the peers have traded, and if there's any chance of the deal going through." you're getting that for completely free. So I think that's why fundamentally we were interested in the company here. And there's still the contract. I look at the contract and from the perspective of the buyer, I always ask myself, kill the deal, how do I get out? And in this case, I have a one word answer, file. Yep, file for bankruptcy. So uh, that brings us to what happens next? How do we see this playing out? Banks, let's say the banks don't fund this deal. What happens to all the parties involved? Uh, I always think about this from a game theory perspective. Uh, if I'm the target and you're the buyer, how much can I help you? How much can I hurt you? Yep. How much can I help myself? How much can I hurt myself? And you need to understand the two spectrums. And you actually can have a very cooperative process of reaching an equilibrium once those things are quantifiable. In this case, it's very clear to me that the deal target can force the deal without bankruptcy. But on the court steps, people get real sober and mm-hmm. uh, maybe they work something out there. And there's a number of different ways they could do that. So it, let's take it a little bit further back. So the banks won't fund. What is Sun Edison going to say? They, without the bank's funding, they can't close the deal as currently constructed. So they what do they do? They cannot close the deal as currently constructed. Uh, if I were Vivint, uh, and I'm sure Vivint's lawyers have thought of this, uh, the, the problem is the buyer having... Uh, queered the deal mm-hmm. by having failed to provide the up-to-date financials leading to the financiers balking cannot now use the walk date. So mm-hmm. the walk date that was going to be a big part of this. March 18th is the walk uh, March date. March 18th uh, for, uh, and I'm not going to talk about uh, derivatives on this, <laughs> but for what it's worth, uh, has uh, a, a close proximity to a March expiration. Um, that That's not a date that, that Sun Edison can now use to walk away yep. because they uh, were the uh, problem. Yeah. So I think what's going to happen is Sun Edison's probably getting ready to call up Vivint's lawyers. There's going to be a lot of lawyers, and they're, it's going to become a negotiation, almost a game of chicken, where Sun Edison says, hey, we can't close this deal. Uh, we can't close this deal. We're going to offer you $50 million to walk away. And Vivint shareholders are going to say, heck no, the merger consideration is way higher than what our standalone share price would be plus that little consideration, close the deal as is or or else. And Sun Edison will say, well, if you make us do that, we're going to file for bankruptcy and you'll have to recover from us 
in court. And then you have a giant game of chicken going on is probably what's most likely. I've been in an analogous situation once before, and I was involved in it enough that I think I'm not going to mention what it was. But I will say a major part of the solution turns when you have these huge upsides and huge downsides all of a sudden to the big shareholders. Mm -hmm. So in this case, Vivint has a significant uh, shareholder uh, in Blackstone Group. And Blackstone's upside and downside and their commitment to this is all of a sudden pretty big relative to the issues here. So they might have a big role too. Yep, they might have a big role. And Blackstone, they're obviously huge. If they wanted to, they could say, hey, maybe we'll provide you some of the financing for this deal to get done. Uh, another person you might have a re- big role, David Einhorn, mm-hmm. uh, has a huge position in Sun Edison. He just went on the board in January, and he might have a role in determining what their uh, negotiating structure is. I think it's interesting, part of his deal going onto the board, he made them sign an agreement, and I, I could be a little off here, but basically you cannot issue equity without supermajority shareholder vote, or maybe it's just majority or something like that, but that could be really painful for Sun Edison because if they need to issue equity, some equity to get this deal done, even if it's a small amount, they legally might not be able to do that right now. So mm-hmm. that could be interesting. Uh, now, why don't we turn our attention to Terp? I was why, just hoping you'd say Yeah, why are we so interested in Terp here? Well, uh, I like uh, situations that are very, very different than any of the pre-existing or earlier shareholders thought they were getting themselves into. This one is very, very different. Uh, Whereas uh, Mr. Einhorn is kind of uh, stuck with a legacy uh, inventory position that he's trying to sort out the best he can. Uh, You have somebody uh, like uh, Tepper from Appaloosa who's newly involved, aggressive, going on offense, litigious. Uh, smart, rich, knows he's both, and this is something he loves. Yep. So let me give a little background here. David Tepper, mm-hmm. uh, pretty famous investor, he'll go on CNBC and say, oh, I think the stock market's cheap and the stock market will rise 2% just on his word. Uh, he filed a 13D and bought up 10% of uh, Terp shares. Mm-hmm. And he bought them kind of at or below today's share price. And his whole thing was, I do not want this Vivint deal going through. Sun Edison, you control terraform and you are sticking them with this deal so that you can get a deal you want going through it's unfair to minority shareholders and i'm going to sue and there's a legal lawsuit going on but uh i think that's really why we're interested you have this company that should be very simple throws off a lot of cash flow trades we've done the work and we think it trades below what you could run off all these big uh utility scale contract utility solar contracts for and you have an activist who's going in there and fighting for your right and trying to stop this deal it's a broken growth opportunity Mm -hmm. that has a runoff value that is uh able that one can count uh Mm -hmm. that looks like it's substantially higher than where it trades right now and uh the the problem was it was kind of a rented mule of sun edison but now we have a uh Animal rights activist who's coming in and protecting us. So if you went back to June of last year, Terp stock was $35, $40 per share, and it was getting sold to kind of uh, retirees as a dividend growth stock. And they were able to issue a ton of equity really quickly. And now that it's gone from 35 to 9, it's got a, a dividend yield at 15%. If you even trust what the dividend deal is, they haven't announced if they're going to do a Q1 dividend or not. But 
it's, it, you can see it trades materially below runoff value because when they were up at 35 and 40, they were issuing tons of shares to those dividend growth investors. So it's interesting. The dividend growth investors got a different bag than what they thought. But now as a value investor, it's just uh, you can count the runoff value and then you just have to decide how much of a discount do you assign because of Sun Edison. Uh, I think that is it. Anything else you want to add here? I have nothing to add. Cool. It's an ongoing process. We'll keep everyone updated. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, Thanks for listening to us. If you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and we will be back talking to you next week.